0: The Chair Two Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom.
1: Well, hey, welcome back to another episode of Chair Two Leaders. I am Danny Smith alongside my good friend, my colleague, the ever famous Ben Sal. Ben, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, Danny. I'm just here. I don't know if ever famous is. It, it sounds like a bad, you know, flavor of of candle or deodorant or something. I don't know. That's an yeah, odd. Yeah, yeah. Well, ever famous. Can,
1: that that way you can make it mean whatever you want it to mean. So. It can be really good. More times than so, not, it probably will be. But uh,
2: yeah, I don't. No, we have a we have a restaurant here. It's called Almost Famous. I there, think you it's like, there you go. Know, there you know, go. It's like so. Really, what you're saying is you're not famous. You That's know.
1: exactly <laughs> right. Something along those lines. So. You know, at, at times I pull the Michael Scott. I start talking and don't know really where it's going. <laughs> uh, mindset, and yes. uh, but no, I'm glad that you're here. We've got a great guest with us today, and uh, he's going to give us some. Uh, I'm excited about talking to him just about ministry, about the chair, too. And, uh, you know, he's uh, someone that uh, uh, is just, you could talk to all day long. And so we'll have to, I'm already going to say it, we're probably going to have to bring him back again at some point. But uh, Josh Revis is with us today. And uh, before we get to Josh, though, Ben, why don't you tell uh, the folks about our sponsor?
2: We are very glad to have Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas as our sponsor for 2 Leaders. They have developed a program for those who are in ministry or maybe have started their degree and haven't finished it called the PACE Degree Completion Program, and you can go and finish your degree in ministry, any, a lot of other areas as well, but they have a proven in-class online and hybrid course format that allows you to fit your schoolwork into your busy schedule. They know you can't quit where you are in ministry probably but you'd like to finish that degree or your training and they've developed this flexible program that's gonna help you they've been helping people for over 20 years with this program you can go check it out at cbc.edu slash online you can apply for admission someone will contact you check them out check out pace there we're glad to have them as sponsors with us for chair two leaders
1: yeah we're so thankful for CBC and You know, back several, uh, I say several years ago, I'll be honest, 15 years ago, uh, I was at seminary and uh, was trying my best to learn all I could about ministry. And uh, one of the uh, young men there who uh, still looks very young, who still uh, has that youthful energy and excitement, uh, was there, Josh Revis, and uh, Josh has been serving at... uh, North Jacksonville Baptist Church, and Josh, we're so glad that you're here with us today and to talk about ministry. How are you today?
0: Hey, fellas, I'm really good, and uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Man, I'm excited to talk to you guys. And the the looking good that was very kind, but uh, this is a low definition camera on the Zoom call, so you can't see the <laughs> the ministerial wrinkles that are starting to form. So. That's
1: right. That, hey, we're in a day and age of filters, and so I'm all about using those filters, you know? Yeah, like, I put in, the,
0: I've got the 2005 filter on mine. That's I like it. it I like it. That's good. Well,
2: preachers need to be able to look good from a distance on the stage. You know, when you get up closer, it's like, well, you look a lot older than you did from the back row of the sanctuary. Yeah, worst so. thing that
0: happened to a church TV broadcast is HD cameras, so... <laughs> Isn't that the truth? It, you remember, like, getting...
1: Um, uh, so your dad's a pastor, my dad was a pastor, Ben's dad was a pastor, so we probably all know this real well. Maybe if you had a revival coming up and you would say, hey, can you send me a picture because I'm going to you know, print these flyers? And you're like, wow, this guy looks really good. And he shows up 20 years older because that was an old picture that he sent. And Yeah. So, yeah, definitely the HD exactly. cameras
0: have, have betrayed the flyers.
2: Either that or ask, who took this picture? Because they are great photographers. Yes, yeah. They, <laughs> they are excellent. at what They, they deserve
0: create. whatever you paid them. That's right. It must
2: be the same people who take the pictures of the fast food restaurants because you look at the picture there and it just looks appetizing, the best burger you've ever seen, and then you get it, and it's not at all what
0: you were expecting. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: That's fun. That's for sure. Well, Josh, tell us uh, maybe just right out of the gate. uh, I mentioned North Jacksonville, uh, but maybe just kind of let us know a little, rather, about uh, where you're serving at, what you do, uh, about your family, and uh, we could just jump in from there.
0: Yeah, so here at North Jacks, this is what I consider to be my home church. We came here. um, My dad is still the senior pastor here. He's who I serve under. And uh, he came here as senior pastor in 1991. So September will be 30 years for him here at North Jacks. So I was 10 years old. So this is basically where I grew up. It's where I finished elementary school. I went through youth group here, junior high, high school. I was in the college ministry here. Uh, led a small group, and then uh, when God called me into ministry and I began to look about uh, where I was going to go to school, I, I went off to school for three years, and that's where Danny, you and I met uh, there at mid-America. And then towards the end of school, my my initial plan wasn't to come back. I knew God had called me to pastor and I didn't know that what that was gonna look like, whether I was gonna uh, seek to take a church that had a, a an open position or maybe plan a church. And then in my last semester of school, my dad called and said, "Hey, I, I'm looking for somebody." to come on with a a young set of eyes. He said, you know, I've gotten some resumes from people, but I really prayed about it and feel like it would be a great opportunity for you and for us to work together. And the church seems to be excited about it. Would you consider it? And so I prayed about it and the the church was open to it. So they called me here to serve. And I served in several different capacities and different areas of ministry. But now I've, um, in the last several years, kind of filled that uh, associate pastor role and um, handling part of the preaching load and doing some of those things. And so I'm um, married. My wife uh, Senna. We've been married for 15 years, and uh, we have three kids: Anna Rose, Abraham, and Shepherd. And so, my oldest two are adopted. They're, they were born in uh, their biological siblings that were born in the Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa. And so, they are 17 and 13. And then my youngest, Shepherd, is nine years old. Uh, he's a special kid. Was born with a upper limb difference. He only has a right. He has his right hand, and has what I call a puncher on the left side. So it's uh, got a. a, a uh, it stopped growing right there past his wrist. and so God's really given us a uh, really an interesting family, but man, it's a it's been a fun ride and and we're loving uh, sort of this season of life we're in a ministry, and we're really just thankful to get to do it.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. I tell you what having uh, having teenagers is a lot of fun and uh, teaches us a lot about, Uh, God's grace and His mercy. So 17-year-old, 13-year-old, you certainly, I know, probably understand that well. But, uh, you know, following you on social media, all just a a beautiful family. And I know that you guys uh, love the Lord, serve the Lord together. And so maybe just right out of the gate, Josh, let's talk about that dynamic of Um, You are a PK, and you're serving at the church where your dad is the pastor, and so you talked a little bit about how that came about. Uh, Maybe we could just talk a little bit about that dynamic in the sense of, uh, maybe for lack of a better way, how do you make that work?
0: Well, I tell people, I get asked this question a lot, obviously, when people find out that I work with my dad, because I hear often, I'll hear people go, I could never work with my dad. And uh, for us, it really works great, and it really works great primarily because of my dad. Um, I tell people, I joke, that we have figured we figured the authority thing out a long time ago uh, before I ever thought about coming here to serve. So there's never been any question who's who's leading. Uh, so we had that figured out from a very young age. But uh, when it comes to the dynamic in the office, it's worked really well. When he called and said he wanted someone to come as an associate, there's a lot of pastors who think they want an associate, but what they really want is an assistant. They just want someone to come in and do some Uh, Some of the tasks they don't necessarily want to do. There's some things they want to assign out, but they don't necessarily want someone that's offering input that um, has some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, some autonomy in some of the decisions that are being made. Um, And so while he ultimately has... Uh, the final say on a lot of stuff. There's a lot of responsibility and freedom I'm given to do what I've been called to this church to do in the role that I've been given. And that works because he wants that to happen. He's always treated. He's never treats me. Um, I get no special treatment, but I also don't get treated any differently than the other uh, guys and the other folks on our staff. And um, and he told me right up front, you're going to come here because you're my son. You're going to have to Earn the respect of these people that you're coming to serve. There's not going to be anything handed to you because you're my son. That helped because I left and went away for three years. I was going to, and, you know, three years is a long time to be away. And then once you come back, uh, so it, it was, there was a sort of a gap in my presence so that when I came back, there was an understanding, like he went away, he did the work, he went to school. Um, he got the experience working in a local church and now he's going to come back and serve here, but it really works primarily because of dad and the way that he handles and manages a staff and these interactions. Um, it's really a, a testament to him and the way he leads that we've had such a good relationship in the office. My, I could literally, you know, I'm eight feet away from his office and it's been that way, uh, from the beginning and, and it's, you know, that's why 15 years later, we're still doing it and loving it.
2: That's very cool so does it add a different dynamic at holidays at home with you know no you it's, know it's like we, we're going like, from the office to home no it's like anybody
0: else we just don't take that stuff home like there's we we spend plenty of time talking about it here at the office it's very rare that we you know are sitting around the table and want to talk about you know like what are we going to do about that one event coming up in two months you know we just you know there's between i've got two other brothers they're both in ministry um, between us, there's, um, nine grandkids. And so when you get nine grandkids and you've got, you know, everybody running around, it's, uh, there's not much time for all, you know, church talk.
2: My family, same way. The difference is all of our family. At one point, my dad my father-in-law my brother-in-law my brother and i were all in a church staff in the same city none of us at the same church oh, so wow. we would get together in different groups of families like okay what's going on there what's going on so is it was, it was yeah. from a different perspective we were still talking to shop i guess
0: yeah now we'll do that for sure so my um one of my brother's pastors on the other side of town and so we will talk about like hey what's going on what did y'all how did this thing go how did that happen but between my dad and I, we very rarely bring home North Jack stuff to the house because we know there's going to be plenty of time to deal with that when we get back to the office the next day.
1: Hey, Josh, you talked about your dad kind of setting the tone uh, for that. And maybe uh, for somebody that might listen to this, uh, maybe they're sitting in a chair too, uh, maybe with, you know, aspirations to move up to that chair one one day. Um uh, what are what are some of the things that your dad has done uh, by setting the tone? Uh, maybe I'm asking uh, something to the effect of uh, maybe some of the things that, that you look in and go, okay, I love how he's done this with our staff. Um, what are some, maybe where are some of those areas that your dad learned that from? Uh, I mean, some guys are just good at it. And uh, your dad strikes me as that kind. But, you know, setting that tone. Maybe somebody's listening to this and they are in chair one going, hey, I want to do a better job with my staff to set a good tone for, all that you just talked about. So uh, that's a very muddy water type uh, question. But just how has, what are some of those things he's done to set that tone?
0: So, right up front, my dad has, I call him, it's his top three. There's like three things anytime if we hire a staff member, if somebody comes in when we have staff meetings, there's three things that are kind of his big deals to him when it comes to a staff and the culture. Um, one of them is, uh he just wants people to work hard like d- do your job because we have the people who come to this church who give regularly and because of them we're able to do this as full-time employees of this church and serving these people they work hard they're going to work they're doing their jobs they're giving their sunday to come and be here all day they're volunteering they're teaching their class so we don't do a lot of like the Um, Oh, man, I had an event that was from 6 to 8 tonight, so I'm going to come in tomorrow at 11 because I was two hours, you know, at the event on Monday. It's like, no, your volunteers were here for two hours last night, too, and they came to work the next day. So it's this idea that we're going to work hard. And so there's this environment that people are going to work hard and and do that joyfully the second thing is he doesn't like a bad attitude and so it's one of these things we it's it's a privilege to do what we get to do so we don't um really do a lot of kind of eeyore moping around the office everybody's gonna have a bad day but we're gonna be on board and we're gonna be team players and we're gonna be excited about the fact that i can't believe this is my job that i actually get to do this and then the third thing is insubordination he's like we're This is a team, but we're not going to undermine one another. And if you've got an issue with me, you come talk to me. I have an open door. And he keeps an open door policy. If he's in the middle of studying for a sermon and he hears a a knock on the door and it's the student pastor who wants to talk to him about a situation, he pauses what he's doing, lets him come in. So by keeping that open communication, there's not little, like— tribal meetings that are happening down the hall of, can you believe, you know, brother Herb did this, or can you believe that the, the music person did that? Um, we just go into each other's office and we talk about stuff. And so that kind of culture right up front creates a healthy environment to work. Now, the other thing is my dad's not a micromanager. He does not, he's so funny because there's a lot of guys, and I know that, you know, the pastor will try to like plan student camp and it's like, you should have this guy come speak and get this person to come do the music and you should go to this campground. And my dad's like, I want to plan youth camp. That's why I hired a youth pastor. Like I'm not called to youth ministry. So I'm going to let, if I didn't think he couldn't do the job, I wouldn't have hired him to do it. So I'm going to let, and I'll help him in any way if he wants me to come, if he wants me to give an idea, but I'm not going to be hovering around the office, you know, trying to micromanage every detail. And so that breathing room allows allows people to flex and, and use their, their gifts in the way God gifted them. And everybody here has a little bit different way they do things, and the freedom they're given to do that by my dad allows, again, for a healthy environment for people to try things Um the other big one is he's not afraid to to cut something that needs to be cut, and what I mean by that is we can do an event for five years in a row, and if that person comes in and says, hey, I know we did this for five years in a row, but I don't feel like it's really effective anymore, and I want to stop doing it, he's going to give two big double thumbs up, like, sounds great. We don't have to do that. And so there's really no sacred cows when it comes to programs or events or like, we're the Wild Game Feast Church, or we're the Easter Play Church, or you know, and it's like, and it gets to that time every year, and it's like, oh my gosh, we got to plan this thing again. It, it shouldn't be that way, and so he gives this freedom to go, hey, let's try stuff. If it doesn't work, that's cool. If it does, let's try it again. And so just that kind of flexibility, that and that's really he's he's super flexible in that regard. He sticks firm on the things that matter, but when it comes to the you know, the methodology, he's pretty flexible with giving folks the freedom to, to do that stuff.
2: Really, those characteristics you listed, those are going to be good for any pastor, not just in a father-son working relationship, but any pastor who's a leader. Those are all good characteristics. But I think one of them you mentioned the not being a micromanager. That one really, I think in y'all's unique relationship, goes to being able to do it long term. Would you say that's true? Just because he, he allows you to be you, and it's not dad- still having his hand on his son type in that relationship.
0: And there's been, and and part of two, what I'll say is, he he is never going to throw anybody under the bus. So there's been times that I've brought him, he's one of these guys that if you bring him an idea, he'll take it and he'll get right out in front of it in the way and go, hey, this is what we're doing. This is the vision we're casting. And this has got the support of the full staff, including me. And if it doesn't work, He'll go, hey, that was ours, it didn't work, but we're going to try something different. It's never, well, Josh brought me that and I thought we'd give it a try. And he, you know, they blew that. So, you know, trying to, you know, sort of go, it really wasn't me and pass it. He takes all of that heat because ultimately the the final call is with him. And so he bears the weight of that responsibility and does it graciously. And And there's been so many times I've carried in and there's a trust that goes both ways. He's trusted me several times with stuff where I brought kind of a fresh idea, but there's been several times where I brought something in and he said, no, nah, I don't think we should do that or I don't think that's a good idea. And you know, been every time he was right. He was right. And that's one of the big lessons that I got to learn from the second chair that I would have had to take a bunch of heat if I learned it in the first chair. And he just had the wisdom to look at it and go, I I can tell, and I love you. You're my son. You work here. You're a good staff member. That's not going to work. And it didn't. And he saved me a lot of grief and the church a lot of grief. And me trusting him and not going into my office with my feelings hurt and just going, hey, it's his call, and he knows, and he's been right all the other times before. Um, And that's not to say he's infallible, but I can say in in very specific instances that I can remember and go, I should probably trust him on this one, too, because ultimately he's the one that has the, the ultimate accountability for it anyway. Yeah,
2: well, we've all been there because we grew up in pastor's homes. So we've seen the weight that that chair one leader, the pastor carries, that they it ultimately rests on them for the livelihood to some degree of all the other pastors and staff in the church. And so they carry a, a weight and a burden. And I think that's one of the things we as chair two leaders really need to step back at times and say, okay, I need to make sure I'm looking at the big, full picture on this. And I've got the... Because he's carrying the burden for the whole church, not just my area, not just me, but for everyone, everything. And make sure that I'm... You know, understanding the authority and and the roles here and also understanding that maybe there's some experience there that he maybe can't even tell you everything that he knows about that situation that is going into influencing the wisdom in those situations. I've been there with my pastor. I've been here 20 years, and so there's been many opportunities. He said, you know, I just don't think this is right. And he's gone back years and said, here's what we did, and this is why that didn't work, why it won't work this time. Let's rethink this. So, uh, there's that those that weight of that chair one in the church um, that unless you've seen it firsthand or you've been there, you probably don't really fully understand it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes in that chair too, it's easy to go, well, here's how I would do it. Uh, here's how I would do it. But when you realize your, your pastor is trying to carry that burden and really trying, I had a pastor, he uh, used a phrase, hey, let me run interference on this for you here because he would believe in something we were doing Maybe it was new, maybe it was gonna be uh, just something that required a little extra communication and time. And he's like, let me come alongside and run interference for you. Cause he knew, hey, here's some power structures you might have to work through. Here are some people groups you might have to work through in the church in order to, to be able to do this. And so I just think it's a great thing uh, when that tone is set uh, as a staff to say, hey, we can trust one another. What are some ways, uh, you know, I? I don't want to turn to just all Q and A. Josh, answered this question. So, uh, listen, man. Yeah, I'm just so here we can hang just, out. I'll just lob this out there for all of us. But uh, what are some ways that, that we do develop trust as a staff instead of that competition? Because you know, uh, again, you know, the Twitter sphere, the uh, uh, just the office workplace dynamics that we see portrayed in media and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, there's some elements to it that may. Uh, you know, be real and true. But for the most part, we just clock in day out, day in and day out, work hard. So what are some ways that uh, we try to develop that trust as a staff, not only in the different chairs, but even going, hey, you know, chair one said no to this. And it was a collaborative effort over here. So like you said, instead of camping down the hallway and getting in our tribal group so we could just say, hey, this is this is the direction we're heading. This is what we do. Just that trust factor.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it well a big part of it not a lot of it a big part of it is understanding just the dynamic of personalities and learning to navigate different personalities and i think when you're able to have multiple people not everybody has a church staff i know there's a lot of guys that you know it's just them they are the church staff but when you get into a situation like your podcast is directed toward where there's an associate or an assistant pastor and and these different staff positions there's going to be there's just not going to be two identical people and there's going to be different personality types there's going to be things that Bother one person that don't bother another. There's going to be one person who takes a joke a certain way and the other person who is not even affected by it. And so, as you learn one another's personalities, you can learn how to navigate. We don't handle, like, I don't handle interactions with every person on our staff the same way based on their personality type. There's some people that I can just go to and be like, hey, man, what was up with that one thing? But there's other folks that I need to, you know, go in easy you know like it's it's a it's like going into one of those like zero entry pools right it's like i'm not just gonna dive i've got guys i'll put it this way i've got people i can dive in the deep end of the conversation with and then there's others that we sort of wade our way in and get there but all of that centers around the idea too that we're going to communicate about this stuff like we're not going to harbor stuff we're not going to do passive aggressiveness we're not always gonna see eye to eye, we're gonna talk about things, we're gonna to come to a resolution, and then there's gonna be an understanding that this is gonna stay in this office because I'm not gonna leave this office and go down and go, You'll never believe what I had to talk to so-and-so about, because then there's no trust there. So it's being grown-ups and having grown-up conversations, office to office, person to person, and then it's being grown-ups to not let gossip become because gossip in an office will be poison. And so if you're going down the hall and going, well, you'll never believe what happened with so-and-so, two offices down, that eventually is going to make its way back one direction or the other. So it's got to be um, a maturity in the, I'm going to come to you directly, and then also a maturity, and I'm going to keep this private for your sake because, Lord have mercy, love covers a multitude of sins. You know, it's one of those ideas when we're all going to mess up, and it's how would I want to be treated if I were the one in the wrong in the situation.
2: I think another thing... To build trust in that, you've just got to be a staff member who keeps his word, period. You know, I love when scripture says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I think that works in a multitude of, of environments. we just got to be the type of people who, we're just trustworthy and do what we say we're going to do. We are responsible for being there when we're supposed to be there. We are ready when we're supposed to be ready. We're not always late. Early on in ministry, my pastor told me one time, he said, now Ben, I know... It's one of those things. He's, he's a very type A personality, and if he wants something done on Thursday, he really is going to ask you about it and want it on Tuesday. I'm not that way. If I tell you um, it's going to be done on Thursday, it's going to be done on Thursday, but it's probably not going to be on Wednesday. Um, but he came to me and said, I've just learned this about you. If you tell me it's going to be done at 3 o'clock on Thursday, it'll be done at three o'clock on Thursday, but it probably won't be done at two thirty on Thursday. So he said, but I think, and he we talked about that and we joked about it for years since. But when you become that person that is, this is what do what you say you're going to do and do it, do it the way you say you're going to do it. That goes. Uh, toward those avenues of building trust. And that was early on when he first had that conversation with me. And so, you know, 20 years of working together, we've we've learned that he knows when I say it's going to be there, it's going to be there then. And so he doesn't worry as much about it now. But it took a while for us to get there where he knew he could depend on me to do
0: that. So I think that trust comes from just do what you say you're going to do. And from the second chair or for any staff person, just own it when you mess up. It goes such a long way. It's like I, I have this conversation with my kids all the time. Like this was a small deal, and you made it a big deal because either like you tried to blame someone else, or you lied about it, or it's one of these things where if you would have just said, "Yeah, I did that," this would already be over. And one of the important lessons I learned early on is that when you do mess up, just own it, and you know, be upfront and be the one to make the call. When because we all know when we mess it up, and. and You can hope that it blows over and nobody says anything, but it goes a long way when something gets messed up and you're the first one there in the office going, hey, I know that I said I would do this and I said that i would have this ready to go and it wasn't and that's on me and you know you can know that going forward i will do a b and c to remedy that and it's not going to happen again that will go so far in building trust and that kind of dialogue and relationship when there's this understanding that there's going to be accountability but also responsibility that's taken when those kind of conflicts do arise
2: yeah that builds that that trust even not only with the other staff members but in the congregation especially if you're talking to a single Staff church and he's like, look, I made a mistake here. Own it, admit up. Don't make them call it, bring it to your attention. Mm-hmm. You know, because they know you messed up, most likely. <laughs> Everybody else knows, and so if you're be the first one to to admit it and bring it into the to the light, uh, it's gonna go much better in the short term and the long term. I think.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely does, and and you know, developing that trust is, I mean, intentional. It's day in and day out, and uh, owning those mistakes. We had a a guest several weeks ago. Um, that uh, talked about a mistake that they made, and they were typing up a newsletter, and they used sort of a headline, and uh, the pastor, who was a fairly well-known pastor, he uh, called me and said, hey, that's just not something we do, and and uh, so he's like, hey, I'm sorry, he did, he owned it, and then the pastor said, good, now go make a mistake for this week, you know, because we, we just know as we try to deal with people and try to deal with ministry, it is the it is the most glorious thing. It is so much fun that we get to do this, but." We do. We make the wrong call sometimes. We uh, don't follow through as we should sometimes. We own it. We move on, knowing, "Hey, I'm I'm probably going to do this again." This past Sunday, I was I was trying to say the phrase "in depth" uh, during my sermon, but I kept saying "in debt," and so I don't know if I was just dreaming of Dave Ramsey or what. And my wife, the finance committee, called the the finance committee. That's right. Like, what do you need to tell us? And so, what are we uh, building? Yeah, that's right. What's going on here? And I, I, you know, just so after church of course you know people kind of give me a hard time about it so you know i'll probably do it again tonight so just uh just hang on it's, it's probably gonna happen again so yeah keeps us humble you know and uh <laughs> all that good stuff you know josh what do y'all like to do as fun as a staff what are you know from that chair too because uh, you know we're recording this in march and we've talked about march madness we love doing stuff like that uh, do you guys do the brackets do y'all uh, do lunch as a staff what are some fun things y'all do uh just to just to keep the, because uh, there are some tense times, even even when you're trusting one another and on the same page, it's still at times just, you know, the heaviness of ministry. What do y'all do for fun? Anything like that?
0: This is going to be the most boring Southern answer of all time. It's we eat. That's uh, what we do. We, uh, we've got people, you know, we've got people on our staff with grandkids. We've got people with toddlers uh, who are their own children. So we've got people um, who are at all really different stages of life. But man, periodically here in the office, uh, somebody will just, we'll get lunch for the office. Everybody get in the break room. We'll say, that we just did this. Last week, we, we just hired a new director of our student ministry. And so uh, our kids, our kids ministry director saw that as the opportunity. She's like, we need to have lunch to welcome him to the office. And so, you know, that Thursday there was Chick-fil-A in there and everybody's in the break room talking, hanging out, getting to know him. But we do that on a pretty regular basis because there's something about, um, you know, food and fellowship, man, like the, the two big F's. And so we, we sit around and that's where people catch up, talk. We don't talk about any church stuff. It's just about people's lives and their families and and so we kind of create that kind of atmosphere. And so there's a real there's a real family vibe in our office, which I, I love so much that we know each other, we care about one another, there's a freedom, you know, if, if somebody comes in here and says hey you know I just got a call from my kid they're sick. it's not like okay make sure you fill out your half a day family sick leave form you know so that we have a record we just go get your kid you know it's cool it happens and and so that kind of um you know atmosphere now we don't people we don't take advantage of it we don't take it for granted but when it's healthy and people are getting their job done it's a real blessing and a joy to come to work when it's like that yeah, and yeah the that's- trust.
2: The trust you might have built allows you to be able to do that when you've proven, hey, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do my job. It gives you those. The trust provides freedom in some of those areas and a little bit more grace.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't want, it's like your kid doesn't go to the dentist every week. I don't think the insurance covers that, you know, so it's not that, you know, we've never had anybody do that. But if you've got somebody who's taking advantage of it, that's obviously a conversation that has to be had. But when it's working well, it can be a really, really good thing.
1: That's fun. That's good stuff. I, again, as I said at the beginning, I think, uh, Josh, we would love to uh, bring you back sometime just to continue to talk stuff. And, you know, the, uh, the joy of uh, working with family, uh, it can be done. And, uh, you know, my dad has passed away, so I never got a chance to serve on staff with him. Um, but you know, just hearing your story, your testimony, uh, I think reminds us that uh, that's a that's a real viable ministry opportunity. We shouldn't say no to it just because it's family. And um, I think just some great insight on that, and just some good church dynamic. And Ben, I don't know how your brackets doing at this point, but I hope it's doing okay. I guess we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll hear in a couple of weeks. We'll give everybody an update on on where we're at, and uh, maybe maybe I can prove to the world that I can. Maybe pick a bracket. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just go by the jerseys. That's the the safest and most consistent way, I think, to do it. I like it. I
0: like it.
1: (laughs)
2: Josh, thanks for joining us. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Thanks for listening.